Well, I asked, quote-unquote, permission, sort of. I mm-hmm. was like, hey, can I play sports just this weekend, One, you know, before mm-hmm. we go through biopsy and surgery and all mm-hmm. this? And they said, um, well, yeah, I don't see why not right now. After he cut into my leg for that biopsy, mm-hmm. he said uh, he doesn't know how my bone didn't break to this point. Mm-hmm. He said he should have never let me. He told my parents what exactly my diagnosis was before the pathology mm-hmm. results came back and basically said that I was lucky that this did not penetrate the tumor and that I bled out internally. If you don't know who Cody is, you will after today, obviously. Uh, Incredible story. And um, I can't think of anybody who embodies... You know, taking advantage of this one shot at your life, like mm-hmm. Cody O'Connor. Mm-hmm. And you'll obviously, like I said, we'll get to know his story. But Cody is walking across America to raise awareness for pediatric cancer. And just hearing that alone is, is mind-blowing. Literally walking across America, not, not driving, not mm-hmm. riding a bike. He's using his own two feet and he's walking. And all this, by the way, without a right fibula, which is mm-hmm. unbelievable. You were told at one point you weren't ever going to walk again. Uh, at least not normally, walk again normally, and yet now you're walking thousands of miles uh, to raise awareness. So, man, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for yeah. walking through Dallas today. Yeah, you walked here to the studio. <laughs> I did. Literally what, was walked the, the studio. what was the length of, of that? Uh, it was about nine miles. Nine miles, Yeah, Nine miles in about two and a half hours. So. Like, I, so I was thinking about that on the way here. I'm like, oh, man, I got to hop in the car. It's a 50-minute drive. Like, <laughs> uh, And I'm thinking like, I guarantee Cody's going to walk there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's for sure walking here. Like, imagine that, right? Imagine thinking, all right, I've got to be somewhere. So I've got to plan two and a half hours before allowing myself enough time yeah. to get there and do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm super excited to hear about, like, what's going through your head during these walks and, like, mindset. But let's, let's go back to the beginning. We want to give a, set the stage for our listeners and a background um, you know, where you came from and, and how you got to this. And, and obviously you had a battle early on in life, but, uh, but just walk us through kind of your life up to this point before making the decision to do this cross country trek. Yeah. I mean, it starts when I was, <clears throat> I was diagnosed when I was 14 years old, but okay. the year before I was playing football, uh, and I took off for like a warm up sprint, something very easy, little 10 yard, just say, get the body going. And I just immediately felt a pain in my right leg and it shot all the way up to my hip. Uh, that whole practice I finished in tears, went and saw the doctor. He was like, oh, it's just Achilles tendonitis. start running some laps, mm-hmm. uh, stay on even ground, work it back, whatever. All right, cool. Uh, so I did that, followed that to a T, but I was going through on and off pain. Uh, every, every so often I would re, um, wake up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and I would basically eat ibuprofen as if yeah. it was M&M's. Oh, wow. like, this just is like, 14. Uh, well, that's 13. Goal. 13. Yeah. I haven't turned. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and then um, I turned 14 uh, in the, in December of that previous year. And uh, as that year went on, I was wrestling. Uh, yeah. I was a year round athlete, so I did everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I ran, started in the hundred meter dash for my school, things of that nature. And uh, was actually right before I saw the doctor that, you know, was the same one that misdiagnosed me before he told me he's never felt anything like this in his life. Uh, he was, I was training varsity wrestling and things of that nature. So I uh, didn't have a lot of talent, but I've always worked my ass off. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe, and my dad's instilled it in my head that 
hard work beats talent when talent right. doesn't work hard. Right. So, uh, so that's all I grew up with, and I just worked. And then we have one ankle the size of a balloon and the other one that's the size of your wrist, you know, like a normal ankle. And the doctor was like, this is not normal. Went to the hospital, x-ray was ordered, saw swelling on the bone. And at this time I wanted to be a doctor, so I was very interested. Mm. I was like, okay, cool. Doctor was like, yeah, it's not normal. Next day, MRI. Uh, And I remember just this pit in my stomach as I looked at a glowing blob on that screen. Mm. Kind of walked out ahead of my family, kind of didn't really want to talk to anybody after that. Um, Got my soccer team to state that following weekend. And uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Even after understanding what was going on, you still went out and played? Yeah, I took it as they didn't say what it was yet. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so, so you did know. you knowingly, you, I mean, at that point, after the x-ray, did the doctor yeah. have that conversation with you, your family? Well, I asked, quote-unquote, permission, sort of. I mm-hmm. was like, hey, can I play sports just this weekend, One, you know, before mm-hmm. we go through biopsy and surgery and all mm-hmm. this? And they said, um, well... Yeah, I don't see why not right now. After he cut into my leg for that biopsy, mm-hmm. he said uh, he doesn't know how my bone didn't break to this point. Mm-hmm. He said he should have never let me. He told my parents what exactly my diagnosis was before the pathology mm-hmm. results came back and basically said that I was lucky that this did not penetrate the tumor and that I bled out internally. So mm-hmm. it was a risk, I guess, that nobody saw coming, wow. uh, but oh it was gosh. something that I was, you know knowing how much of an athlete I was and how much that was of my life, that's who I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to take any days off unless I was, well, injured. (laughs) So before we get into, okay, now you hear the diagnosis, like what prior to, you know, like you you mentioned you have brothers that are active military right Mm -hmm. now. What was that like growing up? Where did you get this competitive nature where it's like, hey, it may not be the fastest, I may not be the most talented, but I'm going to work. I mean, did you... Were you always competing with your with your siblings? I mean, and you mentioned your dad teaching you about hard work. What was that like pre-13? So my family is not wealthy whatsoever. Uh, my grandparents are a little well off, but mm. outside that, my mother and father, they filed bankruptcy a couple of times. They were never together. They had me when they were 19. Mm. Uh, I'm the oldest of seven. And so I have taken that responsibility to heart that I'm supposed to pave the way for the others. Yeah. So it's more of a competitive nature of, I want to be the best that I can be to show them that they have every opportunity in this life to seize whatever they want right. that, you know, that tomorrow uh, live today as if tomorrow doesn't exist because it very well may not. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where it's all been intrinsic. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my dad at, uh, used to be a personal trainer. So I spent a lot of time at the gym with him mm-hmm. 5 a.m. mornings. And I'm sitting there like sleeping on a stability ball mm-hmm. before school, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and then he drops me off at class, picks me back up after and go back to the gym, you know? So it was, I kind of lived with around a bunch of work ethic. Yeah. Um, you know, no, again, nobody in my family was wealthy, but I was always taught, you know, follow your heart, follow your dreams. Uh, sh- shoot for the stars, you may end up on the moon, right? Right. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, and then I just, I just try to instill that for my siblings. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so now come diagnosis, you know, you went, took your team to state, 
Is it win state or two state? Just two, just two, two the tournament. Okay. Dude, what a loser! I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a failure. And hold on, where's where's home for you? Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. All right. Yeah, don't talk about the football team. Uh, I mean, Houdet. solid, solid. I mean, they're gonna get them losses. Hold on, hold on. Wait, yo, because they San Fran beat them this last week. That's right. Okay, so Cincinnati, them a little bit, but. You get the diagnosis. What's what's your mindset when you when you hear and, and what exactly was that diagnosis? Um, so, the diagnosis was U- Ewing sarcoma, which is a form of bone cancer that affects roughly four hundred children in America every year. Uh, so it's a rather rare disease. Yeah. What my emotions were when I heard that, I would probably say it's kind of two different areas. One was at school. And I was playing basketball, like a little pickup game with one of my buddies. I was a wrestler, so they always made fun of me. But I was a wrestler too, I, so I always got made yeah. fun of. But I played great defense, right? Yeah. You know, wrestling gets you keep <laughs> yeah. your body, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then you're complaining about how hey, touchy you're, they you're are, right? You're not going to win under yeah, right. the post, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to dominate. Rebound real hard. Exactly, exactly. We made this joke a bunch. You, you were the stereotypical white guy, the high motor, <laughs> you know, never took a day off. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So playing a pickup game and I got called to the office. I knew that this was coming. There was a doctor's appointment anyway. What I didn't know is as soon as I got it to that counselor's office that my dad, like it was a dimly lit room for some reason. And uh, my dad, I could tell like, oh, he's been crying. Mm -hmm. And then I was told right there that I have cancer. I didn't know what kind at this point, but I was told cancer. And so, yeah, I left the school that day bawling my eyes out, Mm. uh, having to wrap my head around that in the car but then when the oncologist was talking to me in the doctor's office, I actually, for the first time in my life, ever related to those people that faint yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I did feel the world closing in on me mm-hmm. and got very, very lightheaded seeing spots and everything. And I really was like, had to shut my eyes just like and grab onto the chair so that I didn't feel <laughs> like I was going to fall over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I came very, very close to just passing out from the news. Wow. Oh, and what, what do they say? I know you said it's a rare form of cancer, but yeah. what are they, maybe for you, what was the cause? I mean, is it random? Is it? I'm a mutant. <laughs> I'm, I'm the epitome of Wolverine. So I, so your chromosomes, <laughs> mine go one through 17, then 22. I hope I said these numbers right. Then 19, 20, 21, and then 18. Well, no, it's 21. My 18 and 21 are flipped. Mm. So in mm. sequence, uh, they've noticed not that I'll live a life of cancer, but they said from birth, they could have told me. And one thing they've seen in Ewing's people is their two chromosomes are flipped. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I would have fought at one time in my life. Um, and yeah. And that's just random by chance, just how you're born. Yeah, I guess so. Or is that a genetic uh, thing? Yeah. That- no, I mean, my grand, my great grandmother fought like a hip cancer mm-hmm. at, when she was like 90, but, huh. but nothing. <laughs> Nothing crazy else than anybody else that I. So you're saying if they were to test like every child born, Mm -hmm. and if they see that these two chromosomes are switched, say okay, at some point in your life you're going to face this this type of cancer. Yeah, it's kind of like, is it autism or Down syndrome that they have an extra chromosome? Right. Mm I'm not saying that they should do that to yeah. let every family live in fear because yeah. if you just, there's some may never activate, right? Yeah, right. Like you may never fight yeah. this cancer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that does beneficial to your psyche, but in other cases it may be, Hey, let's 
run a simple test once a year. Yeah. And then that way your tumor didn't grow for a year. Right. Like mine grew for a year. So if they caught it earlier, could they have saved my, my fibula and could I have played sports? Could I have done maybe, Yeah. you know, and and that's kind of where my mindset is with the whole pharmaceutical world or doctor medical world with that is I don't want you to necessarily tell the parents. Right. But if we could get some kind of regular testing yeah, done. Yeah, a plan. Yeah. That's right. There's a, uh, there's a lot of kids, like, they'll talk about the cost-benefit analysis of radiation. And the crazy fact about it is after I went through five years of, well, I had radiation on my leg also, and we can get into the treatment plan in a sec. And then five years of, like, intensive scans. Then they said on year six, we're not going to do any more intensive scans because the benefit or the cost benefit analysis of that radiation isn't there. And I I really, I asked the doctor, I said, so you mean to tell me all the radiation I received? Yeah. This, this one, if I did one more scan, because I felt like this year was a bad year for me, top to head to toe, that that's the radiation that's going to cause a problem. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's like, in my opinion, I, I feel like there's a lot of cases. And as I've talked to families, a lot of cancers, people are misdiagnosed. It's a, oh, it's just a bruise. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just this. In kids, especially, because yeah, they're still say, growing. when you're yeah. young. Yeah. Yeah. So why do we as people never try to take proactive measures? Like, mm-hmm. why do we never look at our system and say, yeah. hey, we need to curve that yeah. so that our kids can live in freedom in the, for the future? Well, it's, yeah, an, it's, an awesome. easy, it's an easy answer. Is Unfortunately, is, is there's not enough money in proactive care. That's right? facts. It's, yes. It's all reactive. Yep. And so, I mean, it's unfortunate, um, but that's yeah. a whole, that's a whole other yeah. topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, let, let's go back on the day you you were seeing the oncologist mm-hmm. because I, that's I'm sure that was an you know, extremely emotional time for you. Was your mother and father in in the room at the time? Yeah. So my parents were split basically after my birth. So not only did I have my mom, my dad, but I had my stepmom, my ex stepmom, my stepdad. <laughs> <Right. All laughs> it right. was a it was quite household. a house full. Yeah, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that conversation because the oncologist came in, you guys are all sitting there. Was there hope or was there, was it just, did you feel like it was just doom and gloom and that, 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 you know, the cancer would take over? Um, I'm the epitome of a fighter. Mm. So I never looked at it as, oh, this, this is, I mean, I felt like I was going to pass out, but I never looked at it as, oh, I, I just looked at it as I'm sick. Right. The oncologist came from an angle of not doom and gloom, but this is serious. Mm-hmm. I had about a 72% chance of survival mm. given the time frame that I yeah. was there. I thought that was a victory no matter what right. I did, right. quite frankly. I mean, I was a high honor student before that, and I was like, oh, well, that's <laughs> C's get degrees. Let's go. Yeah. You, know? Right. I, you know, I felt good. Right. So... The other stuff, though, that was talked about, it was almost insurmountable because you couldn't comprehend fully everything that was being said. Mm -hmm. So you were lining up surgery times. You were lining up um, what these medications are, Mm -hmm. you know, these chemo therapies that you're going to receive. We're having a fertility question about, hey, do you want to go to a sperm bank and bank some stuff? for your future. I'm 14 years old and I'm like, well, I I don't know if I want children. How am I supposed to ever know that? And so it's like all these questions. And and that actually was a fight within my family. Mm. Uh, My dad was like, well, Hey, you need to do this. I'll pay for this the rest of your life. And I was like, I, I felt overwhelmed. I was like, Mm. I'm not 
worried about all this stuff to make that decision at 14 yeah yeah Yeah, so i just put it on faith and i would say that that initial meeting after after the port was placed so Mm -hmm. it was about a week after that the port was placed my faith was twice a day every day pray Mm. um and it was cemented because and i think that's important because people in this life we can't handle everything we're not made to handle everything you have to have an outlet whether that's you know, whatever faith you believe in, whether that's just positive vibes, whatever, you have to have an outlet that just mm. you can release. And man, I got so close to my faith. Yeah. Mm. I can't, I mean, I can't imagine uh, in lack of faith that I couldn't agree with you more, like going through that trial and that challenge and, and feeling like, okay, this victory is hundred percent on my shoulders and it's all on me and, and going through it and really feeling alone through that. Yeah. So, man, yeah, I, I can't imagine someone going through that without faith, uh, but I, so many people do. Yeah, I just it's, don't know, I don't it's crazy. Do it. uh, a lot of people, I think, with the cancer battle specifically, it's mm-hmm. it's a mindset. It's not always what your body can do. Yeah. It's, what, it's are you giving up the moment that you hear That's cancer, right. yeah. or are you going to sit there and say, oh, I'm sick, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, let's right. just get better. Yeah. And uh, so my treatment plan that was given to me was 14 cycles of chemotherapy, uh, one of the cycles, I was in the hospital for about a week. The other cycle was about three days, but that, was, that three-day cycle included a medication that it was I received for 48 hours. Mm. Uh, fun fact, one of the chemos I received was used to make mustard gas. So, that's uh, good. Wow. <laughs> that's good. Wow. Yeah. Just kill, it, kill uh, everything. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, what does that feel like? Like when the, when the chemo, when you're doing chemotherapy, what does that actually feel like? Because I've heard stories, but I've never known anybody personally that's had to go through it. It's different for everybody. Uh, one of the beautiful things about the walk that I've been on, I've been able to connect with survivors and people that are fighting or, um, you know, unfortunately families that have lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are just showing their support for the cause. And it's different for everybody. So some of them have had more intense chemo than me. Uh, for instance, it's a there's radioactive chemo out there that you're supposed to sweat it out your pores and it's burning your skin. Mm. So that type of chemo, <laughs> you're, you're in pain, pain, yeah, like right. as you're receiving it, right? Mm. The chemo I received, um, I don't want to it was a harsh regimen and I'm not going to try to downplay that. Um, but God blessed my path with that because I wasn't so, I wasn't vomiting all the time. I, I refused to take some of the medications outside mm-hmm. the hospital, which were like, Colace and like uh, mouthwashes because it was making me nauseous, um, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while I received it, I mean, I think I think it was more traumatizing for my family than it was for me when I was sitting there. Um, it felt like normal stuff being pushed into my body, mm-hmm. but the only difference was is I tasted a severe taste of chemicals. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was tasting just nothing but, you know, like, I mean, you can smell like bleach or right. something, yeah. Yeah. It, but just picture like that taste. You don't know what it is. No, yeah. no, don't try that. Right. Anybody <laughs> listening. Yeah. But, but that, that idea that this chemical is just sitting in your mouth um, and that would make me nauseous. And I, you know, would puke occasionally here and there. Right. Um, it, it, so my, my chemo wasn't very, uh, this is, hurting you as it goes into your body. Um, I think it was more psychological. I remember my dad sitting next to me as he was watching literally uh, red (laughs) Kool-Aid, like red Kool-Aid getting poured into my body. 
Yeah. And he was just all depressed and he was like, uh, this is just whatever. And I, I told him, I was like, we're going to be all right. Yeah. I'll see you. I'll see Man, you that's in cool. 10 months. Isn't it, you know? isn't it crazy? Yeah. So, so, uh, my wife lost her sister to Wilms tumor. Um, and so knowing her family's story, it's, a, it, it's incredible. You know, one thing about pediatric cancer is the strength that comes from the child. Mm. Um, so often, the source of strength, even for the parents, comes from the child, right? You've mm. got a 14-year-old that's having to reassure and comfort yeah. a grown yeah. man, yeah. a woman, grandparents, yeah. that, hey, look, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And it's just, it's just crazy to me because, you know, being a dad now, I can't imagine, you know, my 10-year-old oh, coming yep. to me saying, dad, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. The strength that a parent yeah, has to have. It's unbelievable. It's, it's really impressive to hear that your father was there. I mean, he was there by your side that, uh, you know, that entire time. And that's, uh, and you can only imagine as a father to watch his son yeah, go gosh. through that. Yeah. Um, so how did the, so you're there and your father's watching you go through this, right? So you said, how many surgeries did you end up going through? I went through, I think about seven yeah, got a little chemo brain, so that that number yeah. I think is. Uh, but I think a majority of them were port surgeries. Okay. I didn't have much. Describe uh, a port sur- a port surgery. Yeah, so it's uh, they make about an inch incision on kind of like your upper left chest. Generally speaking, could be mm-hmm. on your right side too. But the idea is that uh, they stitch something down between your fatty layer and your muscle, uh, and it's basically serving as a IV mm-hmm. that's permanently in your body. It's better than like pick lines and things right, like that. Right. That You're more people, yeah, just getting yeah. getting shot up every time mm-hmm. you have to get medicine. Yeah. So it, and then they they put the needles that are inch and a half long needles. So they're nothing to they scare right. you yeah. probably every time you look at them because yeah. they're shaped like a talon mm. uh, and they have to hook them in. They don't just push down. But my I, my stitches kept getting ripped out of my chest. Yes. Wow. So they kept the the port kept flipping. Mm. So I unfortunately I had to go through more port surgeries than the normal person. Usually it's yeah. one and done. Yeah. Right. The fun fact, the gal that placed my port the last time, she redesigned the whole uh line tracing in my body. Mm. She was like, so instead of the normal, she's like, We're now gonna branch it out like this and then go up through your neck, uh with the catheter or whatever, right? Mm. And you're asleep for the all of this. But she was one of the main surgeons for my sister, who I lost in, back in, like, 2000. It was really kind of weird oh. how she kind of came full circle. My dad and my family, for when they knew that she was doing it, mm-hmm. they're like, you won't have a problem again, and I never did. Wow. Yeah. So, wait a minute. Okay, so you lost yeah. your sister. I yeah. did. I did when I was younger. Okay, so this is a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, illness? Biliary atresia. Okay. Which is a is. form of liver cancer, or not cancer, uh, liver disease. Okay. It's basically, you have your liver, and then you have, like, your bile duct that connects yeah. to your intestines, mm-hmm. and it filters out all of your toxins. She was born without that. So how, so old, was she? how old was she? She was seven months when she died. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Boy, so they saw, you, your family's seen some tragedy. Seriously. Yeah. But man, that's, um, yeah. that's yeah. hard. All right, so going through your treatment plan, what was life like outside, like, at that age, and, 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 you know, how long did this treatment last? Treatment lasted 10 months. Okay. Life outside, I was very, very stubborn. It's much a tale of two cities, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, before surgery, was about four months. 
And in that time frame, I rejected cancer in the sense of I'm going to be a kid. Right. Yeah. So I was still going to the movies with white blood count of zero. I was fighting nosebleeds for four hours and telling my mom, I just keep ripping the clot out. Yeah. I'm very, very lucky. I didn't have a brain hemorrhage yeah. and yeah. end yeah. up with a problem. Um, then as soon as I'm going through surgery, we had a month break and with any month break, yeah. anything, you take a month off of weightlifting mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. you're coming back sore. In that month, I remember feeling rejuvenated, like my whole body was starting to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, leg was obviously wrapped up from surgery, getting right. cut this, you know, f- over a foot on your right. leg. You're recovering and this and that, but you felt like, oh, I can breathe again. Yeah. Then we went into that first cycle, and uh, I'm limping around, hop back to the bathroom, and my eyebrows were itching. And if nobody ever has lost hair... <laughs> Losing your hair, I would say for most people, it hurts. Huh. Uh, if you it, you feel like a reptile, because on the top of your head, if you were to do that in the beginning of the process, you're feeling every hair follicle just rip back. Oh, wow. Ugh. So I felt kind of that same little motion when I itched my eyebrow, and I was like, oh, great. So I... Four months I've had my eyebrows. I've looked like a sexy bald guy that thought about using cancer to pick up chicks, right? And I never actually crossed that bridge. But I'm looking in the the bathroom and I just scrape them and I see all the hairs fall and I look in the mirror. And for the first time, I see an alien. I see somebody that I don't really know who is looking back at me. And immediately I'm praying like, hey, Lord, this is real. (laughs) I'll do whatever I got to do. Just show me the way. I'm I'm here. I'll, I'll do the work. And from that moment forward, the second half of cancer, which would be the other six months, was everything from getting transfusions before I left the hospital, Mm -hmm. which if anybody listening is going through cancer, ask for that because that will give you about a day or two out of the hospital bridge. Mm -hmm. So it will carry you a little bit further than your own blood just fighting. I was taking every nausea medicine. I wasn't nauseous, but I was just taking it. Because I was a cancer patient. I was fully accepting. And uh, when they looked at my tumor that they took out of my leg, they found one tumor cell a millimeter away from the boundary. And that's the cutoff. They literally gave my family the option, do you want to go through radiation or not? And that's how we ended up with 25 cycles of radiation, just to be safe. But I, I find... I go through all of this because after cancer, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at statistics. I'm looking at everything that everybody was scared of. Had I been 15, I would have been a statistic of survival of like 35%. Had I been, had I not have accepted the fact that I had cancer, would that tumor cell that was a millimeter away have actually not, you know, had that have been a larger problem? You know, I, I just feel like they say life's a game of inches. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a game of millimeters, no, <laughs> you no, know, no like, Seriously. and it's yeah. one of those things that, um, every time I think about it, I, I want to drive that point home cause it's, yeah. it's whatever, but 10 months was that battle. And that included the 14 cycles, okay. losing my half of my fibula. We went through a tumor scare after, but cancer, mm-hmm. which is so where there I was lost another the scare after the fact. And it was. All right. We're going to take a quick break from the episode and recognize an opportunity that we all have. It, if you are having a hard week or you just need some R&R, here's what you got to do is you got to drive up 75 north, cross the Red River to Durant, Oklahoma, to Choctaw Casino and Resort. It is 
the best getaway that you can mm. get if you're in the Dallas area by far. And guess what? If you're listening from somewhere outside of DFW, say you're in South Texas or you're in another state, which we've yeah. got some listeners uh, in other states, fly into Dallas, drive up. It is worth every penny. You don't have to go to Vegas anymore to have a world-class experience at a world-class resort and casino. Yeah, we talk about the restaurants that are up there, those steakhouses. We talk about the concert venue. Uh, we, we had a conversation with Aaron Watson previously, and he talked about the the intimacy. Every single seat in that concert venue is right on top. And there's not a bad seat in the house. There's not. And so these artists talk about it's one of the best places to play. And so go check, check out your, yourself a concert, the spa, the, the brand-new expansion. I mean, it's just such a good time. To your point, Tyler, if you need a break, things are getting crazy, times are tough, Get up there. Get up to Choctaw Casino Resort. Have yourself a great time. We, we experience it. We love it. Uh, they're doing great things in the community. Can't say enough good things, and we're so grateful for their partnership. That's Choctaw Casino Resort. Go check them out. Now back to the episode. Well, yeah, walk us through that. What what would you see as a reaction? Yeah. What was? So you're walk. I'm clumping around in a brace that I was supposed to live with the rest of my life. and um but you're supposed to be cancer-free at this point? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is probably about two years post. Okay. Okay. And with that being said, it w- you know, I was back in school, mm-hmm. hated high school after the fact, hated okay. it. I wanted to get through it. I right. was just, I couldn't be me. Right. I tried to do video work for the football team and everything. Like, mm, I, right. that whole identity yeah. f- is, yeah. is something that. So there was a depression. There oh, was a severe oh, depression oh, coming back. Yeah. Yes. Because you've been so competitive your entire life and now well, you're. And, and even more so during the battle, right? Yeah. Now the battle's over. Right. Yeah. And now it's, right. you know, you probably half expect, okay, now it's going to go back to normal. It's like, yeah. well, life isn't normal. Yeah. Right. It, and it's more so like everybody's around you when you're fighting. Mm hmm. And then after you win, there's nobody, mm-hmm. yeah. nobody like they're just like, like I had a chemo reunion or graduation, I guess, of like 250 people. Mm-hmm. No joke. We're at this thing. Awesome time. But there's no, there, there was nobody after you got into, I was just looked at as the cancer kid after that. Right. I was like, that was my identity that I was supposed to accept. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to actually accept it. Uh, I tried to golf. That was a no-go. Tried to swim. My my foot's in a right angle. I'm clunking around in mm-hmm. the pool. It's, that's not happening. Um, I, I mean, heck, walking around was tough for me. Like, it, eventually I'd be in pain, and then I would shut down. My whole my whole mindset would shut down. Mm-hmm. It just was not good. Uh, it you've, I fought depression, anxiety when scans were coming around, whether you call that PTSD or not. Yeah. I mean, that's that's – Whatever. I mean, my whole back would lock up for three weeks before scans. And I had scans every three months for about three and a half, pushing four years. Mm. Um, and that was a full work of MRI, PET, uh, PET scan, EKG, echocardiogram, x-ray, uh, CAT scan of my chest, and uh, blood you know, blood work, urine work, mm. everything like that. So you're having the full mock-up. Yeah for every few months and you're going through yeah. in a sense visions of oh gosh see th- yeah. this is so eye-opening for me because and this is my ignorance i figure you know once you're you know given the the clean bill of health life's good i'm all good now I- yeah. i'm healthy i'm re- i didn't think about yeah. the depression of i'm not who i was before i can't do the same things mm-hmm. I never thought about that. It's very much a paradox, right? Like it's it's everybody wants you to win. You want to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but through winning, you have to let go. Mm. You have to let go of what you thought you were, who you thought you could be. Mm-hmm. And you have to fully redefine that. And that only comes through acceptance. It's weird how much that pairs with, you know, mindsets or addiction or anything else. Like it always, it comes back to accepting within yourself mm-hmm. and putting your best foot forward. And, and how old are you now, by the way? I'm 25. And so, by the way, you're doing all this at 16, 17 years old. You're, you're having to have these, it's yep. easy, easier at 25, 30 to have these, this perspective. Mm-hmm. Of you know accepting and changing, and but at seventeen, right. telling me I can't play football anymore, my buddies, right. you tell me right. I can't, you know, do anything normal. Yep. Like that's, I that's, act- a, that's a heavy load at seventeen. I actually asked my parents before we went through surgery if they would just tell the surgeon to cut my leg off, mm. and they told so that I could compete right. because yeah. I knew I went under the knife not knowing if they could save an inch. An inch of my bone would have meant that they could keep tendon and ligament structures the same. Surgeon said the tumor went too far down on my ankle. I vividly remember this conversation with my family. Like, can you just cut it off? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to compete. I wanted to have that story of, well, you know, I, I, yeah. I grew up yeah. with a guy named Dustin. Uh, what was his last name? Uh, he trained at this gym, and I can't remember his Carter, I think. Uh, but he had, he wrestled with no arms, no legs, and I was like, oh, okay, I yeah. can compete. Yeah. If I don't have my limb, right. you know, right. and that that never came. They said they won't make that decision for me. They said if I was after I turn an adult, right. and all mm-hmm. this other stuff, mm-hmm. if that's what I wanted to do, all but right. they weren't going to take my leg. So, oh my gosh, so, man, I just think it's 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 so powerful because there's there, like you said, there's a lot of support, right? You're in, you're in the battle, you're, yeah. you're going through it, and and I mean, athletes, military. Um, you know, law enforcement, they all go through that. Like when you're in the heat of it, right, the support is there. But then when you step out of it, when you step out of that role, and, I mean, the crowd is gone, right? Like gone. The, the the lights are off. People, it's like, okay, now you're just uh, someone else. Right. When it's like I, everything that I was was poured into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that I had, I poured into this. Yep. Now I've got to go redefine it. So let's talk through that process. Uh, I, I mean, as a 16, 17-year-old having to go through that, that is... I can't imagine. A lot of dark nights in your room that was coined the mole hole, (laughs) playing video games, thinking that, you know, telling your family you're just a gamer now. And Mm. and that's Mm. really what that looked like. Uh, I attached a lot to my ex now, but relationship at the time uh, in her family. We pretty much went everywhere with them. I slept a lot. I mean, every high schooler sleeps a lot, but I slept a lot. Uh And I used to just think, oh, I'm just tired or I'm just this or that. No. (laughs) I was not in the right headspace. And looking back, it's always 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And and it it was rough. I mean, there was a lot of, it actually took that relationship and her leaving me when I was in high uh, college before I actually stepped foot back into the gym by myself. Mm -hmm. It took a long time. And that was probably four years after right. cancer yeah. before I actually was like, okay, I can, I'm going to do this because that the gym was my only outlet. That's all right. I knew. I, I just knew the gym. And, um, if I was angry with my dad and myself or whomever, I went to the workout. I didn't yeah. turn to other stuff. I turned to put my body through, you know, whatever. Right. And knowing that I shut that side out because I couldn't, 
look myself in the mm-hmm. mirror. Yeah. I couldn't squat. I still really can't, you know. Mm-hmm. There, That was where the big mental thing, but it wasn't until that point that my whole mindset began to shift. Right. And I was like, okay, I, I can start, I can push 50 pounds. I, I got that, you know. Mm-hmm. Who cares how weird that looks to everyone around me? I'm just going to work on that 50-pound bar, right, yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So the act of getting back in the gym and training was what actually started to turn the tables for you? Yeah, wow. pretty much. It wow. was one of those things where it was like, okay. And then I found myself walking hills. Mm. And uh, um, that correlated with, you know, okay, this this hurts. I'm in a right. lot of pain, but let's just walk. Let's just keep on those hills. Because at the end of the day, I found a month in, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm not breathing heavy. Yeah. I'm my ankle actually doesn't hurt anymore. I mean, I'm still rolling. I mm-hmm. could, didn't fix that. It took until I found a trainer to actually start helping me with my actual gait. Right. But I was like, hey, I'm making progress. My ankle is getting stronger. Mm-hmm. How good did that feel to to finally be striving to something and accomplishing again? I I don't even know if words can describe the ability that like that that feeling of. Um, can start seizing what I want again. Mm -hmm. And, and that I think is a thing that led to large aspirations again, seeing that I don't have to be that atypical go to school, figure out something to work Mm -hmm. on because that's the life that you're supposed to have it. You know, I, I felt like inside there was so much that I wanted to strive for to change and to be a voice of. And I was like, because I can accomplish getting up one hill, because mm-hmm. I can accomplish pushing 100 pounds again on a bench press or something, I can start setting these bars again. Yeah. That was the whole stem. Right. You know, we, we had an earlier conversation a few months back about all the benefits of weight training or resistance training or working out that nobody talks about. And that was one of the things. we It, it teaches you to show up every single day to put in the effort and put in the time, the results, yes, they do come in the short term, but it's you, you can't necessarily see it every single day. Right. But it teaches you to keep showing up and keep doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. a swagger, though. That's what it is. I think it's more or less like you're. it's a confidence builder, right? Yeah. So with confidence comes a swag. With confidence comes this energy that you that you have. And I know you're – so you, I, I want to go back to this. So you're 17, 18, you're going through this. When is college? Is college coming into your mindset of, uh, you know, what's the next step? As far as my education? College was in my mind as soon as I finished cancer. Okay. Because I hated who I was. But you also said you hated school. You right. hated high school. I, but that was because of cancer. Okay. I loved it up until cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I was social. Right. I was, you know, whatever. I, my make-a-wish was, a DJ, was DJ equipment. Oh, wow. So I started <laughs> DJing some of the school dance. Like, that gave me a little bit yeah. of joy, but yeah. it also, I made a lot of, like, the mixtapes for the sports teams and stuff. That was, it was cool. And I, I had fun with it. It got me through on some some of those days. But I was nobody who I wanted to be in, in mm. anymore. And that was why I hated high school. Oh. I was running from the idea of I have to look myself in the mirror and really figure out who Cody is again. Yeah. And college hit. I thought my I thought the fastest I can get to college and get this degree. Faster everything's to be fixed. Yeah, I can. Now I can I'm on my way. Yeah, I can start yeah. making my money. I can mm. start, you know, mm. being. I had, you know, I, I was like I said, always an honor student, always yeah. a high achieving academic student. I could, I can do this. I can live yeah. this life. I can, you know, I can go be a. At the time, I wanted to be a pharmacist. Oh. I can go do that. Help kids fight cancer. Blah 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 blah. 
But I was very wrong because college didn't give me any joy. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? What we think is going to be that fix doesn't quite. So where did you go to school? Where did you end up enrolling? Uh, I went to Ohio University first, and then after a semester of chasing a woman, which nobody should ever chase a woman, Mm. uh, or vice versa. Women don't chase men. Uh, You know, UC, I ended up at University of Cincinnati. So, yeah. And have probably 110 credits or 107 credits taken, and then I pulled out. Yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah. So wow. I'm right there at a degree, but I don't know if I'll ever go back. Really? Really. What is it to graduate? Like 120. Okay. Oh, yeah. so you're like you're real like, close. You're like a like semester. semester. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, We're all there's a seat. <laughs> yeah. We're all surprised. How many? <laughs> Christy. <laughs> How yeah. many credits were given to you, Darren? Yeah. <laughs> 120. <laughs> Wait, hey, you, hey, like, you had to work for them things? <laughs> I thought they just wrote a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so what was the, why? Uh, yeah, yeah, talk close. us through, yeah, talk us through. It's like, nah, this isn't for me. I'm not going to do this. And, and I'm assuming. Because you're not a quitter. I can promise no, you that. You're no, not a quitter. Not a quitter. But it shifted. It's, I feel like Completely. it shifted. Because you're like, hold on, like, I. You're working out again. You're starting to feel better about yourself, I'm assuming, at this time. Okay, I can't accomplish the things that I want to. And it's just the hard part, the scary part, right, it sounds like, is it's like I've just got to convince myself that I am good enough to chase what I want and put in the work to get there. Exactly. I felt college was dumbing me, to be fair. I wasn't getting anything out of college. There was no class, okay, maybe physics or like a high abstract algebra class, like I was learning, but nothing applicable to my life. Uh, you mean so. structuring papers in uh, the proper formats? You're not using that every day? No, I am not yeah. using I, that every day. I cite sources on the daily. Yeah. <laughs> MLA format yeah. or are you on like something else? else. You know, <laughs> MLA format. Yeah. Double spaced always. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I So I got my real estate license to try to get me through College. Okay. I got that with the intention of I'm just going to sell to get through school. Mm. Yeah. Well, then I ended up enjoying the entrepreneurial side. So that real estate, having a mentor and everything opened up the whole idea that I can. So I'm working out, mm-hmm. showing to myself, I can start setting some physical goals and some of that. I still felt like I had to do what the normal system is saying. Like you yeah. have to go do this right. to become successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was still playing by that rule. But in the meantime, I was like, well, let me just go further my education, go get a, a license. I have a mentor. We can, I, I'll just start selling. Well, that whole entrepreneurial side opened me up to, oh, your income can be whatever you want it to be in this right. world. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go take that job at Microsoft and make 80 grand a year. Yeah, yeah. whatever. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can go work hard and get actually paid for your efforts. So I fell in love with that chase. And then in the chase of that, though, I saw that money, you know, I I had a six-figure year. I had these years that I just felt really, really strong, Uh, overcame the idea that I was too young for anybody to Mm want to work with and this and that. But then I saw that I was missing family events and missing all of this stuff. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, hold on, hold on. Now I need to go back to the drawing board. So then I went back to school. I was like, maybe I need that degree again. And then it wasn't until um, right before COVID where I was like, any degree you name to me, communication, business, mm-hmm. whatever, any degree that that ends up being, like I'll never use it. Yeah. I was like, I, I believe in the path that I'm on. And uh, 
it was then that I grabbed an interim job just to pay bills. And I was like, I need to go back to the drawing board and I need to make this happen. Yeah. So, and then I was like, through this, I can get a voice <laughs> through this. Mm-hmm. I can become, uh, th- this, we can start this movement that's supposed to be for families, kids and in, in, in an industry that pediatrics gets 4% of funding from yeah. all of cancer research. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying adults, like if I came down with cancer, I'm glad that there was that research, right. but I'm not, but help that kid live, yeah, help I these know. families fight that fight. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, I, I had it figured out uh, before I even started my walk that if we were to give $320 million, and I know that sounds crazy mm-hmm. and that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But $320 million a year, every family that comes down with cancer can have a $2,000 stipend a month to help them live, to help take off a finance, like a burden yeah. mm-hmm. that they didn't ask for. Every family, no matter the cancer. Yeah. And I was like, some aren't going to need as much as that would be if that, that would be available to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Some may need more. But to make a direct impact, I was like, you know, yeah. I... I I have a problem with the nonprofit world and I started researching and looking at it and then got me into the motivational world. And I was like, well, can I pair the two together? Can we, can we become this thing? And my buddy actually told me when you look up Ewing's sarcoma groups or something, my name is starting to pop up. And I was like, mm. well, that's weird. I was like, that's really weird. Right. <laughs> I was like, cause I'm not a group. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm just somebody, somebody that just wants to help others connect. Right. And I think, uh, there's power in people. You know, yeah. we took GameStop to the moon. So yeah. why can't we come together yeah. for our communities and take everybody to the moon? Yeah. So, yeah, how, how did this idea start, this yeah. walk? Yeah, like, you just said that. You said earlier, you said there was a path. Yeah. You mentioned a path. So when did you start to think, okay, here's the path I'm going to take, and this is going to be my what it, my serve. I'm going to serve these, these people. It was after – so I always – I had the thought of the nonprofit when I was going through – chemo Mm -hmm. i was like well hey my family my kid my siblings aren't eating on time they're not getting to their sporting events they're not getting to their club times they're not with their friends i was like and it's all for my temporary illness it was literally a temporary illness that you guys can need to still better yourselves i hated that uh so when we were looking through i mean my family went through bankruptcy uh divorce (laughs) i wonder where food was coming from we were evicted grandparents took us in like all kinds of Mm. stuff so all of those struggles amounting on top of this cancer battle that's not good enough in in public that that's no matter who you are whatever walk of life it is cancer doesn't discriminate and at some point you have to draw the line and say our kids deserve better Mm -hmm. our our community deserves better and i was and i was like well can we figure out some way to just transition funds or transition some idea to just start it, and whether I'm the one that makes this idea pop or not, I don't mm-hmm. care. Maybe I'm the one that lights a fire under somebody else, right. and then they have the resources mm-hmm. to make something like that happen. Awesome, yeah. help people, yeah. and uh, because they need it. Mm-hmm. So we came up with this idea that champions do overcome. I went and made it a full five hundred one c three nonprofit, and I was like, okay, let's focus on paying cost of living bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we kind of were thinking, well, what other things can we do to alleviate some of the aspects that really are problematic, i.e. divorce? How can we affect the divorce rate? If if I just give funds, yeah, sure, maybe. But really what they need is time for their love, time for their marriage. Mm -hmm. 
Because if you can better the, the family yeah. core, the core of the family, you can impact the whole battle. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's send them on some date nights. Let's start community partnerships and start working on some of that. And I kept thinking, I was like, okay, well, that's not good enough. <laughs> I was like, now I need, I need a third pillar. I work in threes a lot. I was like, let me get a third pillar. And that's where my battle buddy program came in. And I was like, let, let's start this initiative that provides, in a sense, big brother, big sister, mm-hmm. but four cancer patients and their families. So that after they're done with their battle, they still have that contact. Yeah. They still have right. those people that are in their corner cheering for them and that they don't go through the shock of life of on my own. Now it's time to go on. Yeah. I was like, so through the combination of all of that, I said, that's what I want this nonprofit to stand for paving a new way to fight. I mean, big pharma fights nasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's going to take a whole group of people to fight nastier. That's right. I love a couple of the points that you brought up, right. Is, is how it affects the family, how it affects the siblings. Um, you know, again, just my, my wife's story is, you know, she either lived at the hospital or she lived at somebody else's house right. while her parents were there right. and, and the financial impact. And one of the, and one of the hardest things is, is, you know, when, when my wife and I will go to the oncology, the pediatric oncology unit here in Dallas is it's, it's honestly one of the saddest things because 90% of the kids there are there by themselves because their parents still have to work. Exactly. Can you imagine having your child going through treatment yeah. there for two weeks, three yeah. weeks at a time, yeah. and you're and they're there by themselves all day long? Mm-hmm. I mean, thank God. So my wife, and again, this isn't about my wife's story, but my wife's sister's nurse in Fresno, California, she, she moved to Dallas 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And literally, I got signed by the Dallas Cowboys on a, uh, on a Tuesday on Thursday were the hospital visits where we went to and gave presents to the kids at you. the, at med city at Scottish Rite, mm. And so literally the first person outside of the Cowboys organization that I met was my wife's sister's mm. nurse. Oh, that's something. <laughs> and, and so anyways, we, we, we do stuff, but wow. we, we, we continue to support them, but going through and, and going back and visiting and and just seeing the kids by themselves, man, like that, it, it's yeah. heartbreaking, mm-hmm. absolutely heartbreaking. And so providing that support, what organizations that now, obviously you're doing research and partnering with groups, are there organizations you're like, dude, those are some good ones because there's some not great nonprofits out there. That's there's a lot really of not hard. great nonprofits. <laughs> yeah. And if you want me on a full tangent, you <laughs> yeah. can, maybe that's a whole nother podcast, uh, just nonprofit world in general. Uh, you know, I I think a lot of the, Big nonprofits that suck yeah. fear people that are connected to these causes. They prey on the, on individual donors right yeah. now, but they fear the new ones coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, in essence, that's why you have United Way. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of companies are partnered with United Way. They've been in, in and I, I name dropping right there. They've been under a lot of fire mm-hmm. because of what they do with their money. But you never see any corporation quit giving to United Way. Right. And actually, when you solicit on as a small nonprofit for anything, the odds that you get a chance are seldom to none, mm-hmm. which is why I'm thankful for Kroger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a Fortune 500 company sitting there backing me saying, hey, no, 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 no. You, your mission is important. Yeah. And you're a Cincinnati product. That's our headquarters. Yeah. We want to be behind this. Right. right? Very thankful for that. But there's not a lot of corporations, and I don't know what it is, that want to get out of bed in essence yeah. with these large nonprofits 
that have proven to be not good. Responsible with exactly, right. yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, at one point, all of them were very reputable. Yeah. At one point, mm-hmm. that point is not today. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's that's a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been able to connect with a lot of small local nonprofits mm-hmm. that are making a huge impact. Yeah. yeah. In like one nonprofit, for instance only focuses on giving prosthetics to osteosarcoma or just a sarcoma patient. So mm. uh, bone cancers all the way out because it's very common to lose your limb. Yep. Mm. Why is a non, a large group not sitting there? You know, recently she was able to get some other big, big brands. Some, mm. um, I think uh, Tito's or somebody gave her a shot and this and that, but like, why is that not more mainstream so that yeah. these kids that are in yeah. high school losing their limb can get a runner's blade mm-hmm. that's not covered by insurance right. Yeah. Right. so that they can try to do that again. Yeah. There's a lot of great ideas out there, a lot of great people out there trying to push this that have lived it. Mm-hmm. That I mean, for instance, she lost her limb, you know, mm-hmm. that have lived it, that want to see real change and are working on the side so that they don't take any money from their nonprofits. Yeah. Uh, and those ones need to be brought to light. We, yeah. it's, we're in a weird time frame in our society. Well, you know, I think the time frame that we're in is that people are, are waking up yes. and seeing yes. a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of the big nonprofits, they're big steamboats. Yep. And people are just comfortable of giving back mm-hmm. to these steamboats because they market well. Yep. They do all these things yep. and tell you their story and whatnot. But now we're starting to see a lot of the smaller nonprofits, not, not saying you guys are small, but the same. Oh, we're small. We're, that, that's but, cool. <laughs> but are entrepreneurial at the same time who are going to be disruptive. Right. And we're seeing the disruption. And that's the only way that you're going to force change. Yeah. That's Cody, it. Is if you continue to be disruptive and you continue to talk about yeah. what mm-hmm. the big nonprofits are doing today. Right. Yeah. yeah. But and, I think, and willing to take chances, right? Put yourself yeah. out there. Get yourself uncomfortable. Yeah. Like imagine the founder of we'll just keep using keep bagging on united way <laughs> the ceo of united way walking across the country yeah i mean they're, uh, they're not gonna do you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you've got to do something that's bold that's um mm-hmm. that's that's outside the box of what anyone's willing to do and look is the, the the story behind it, okay, hey, having lost your fibia and having to, being able to walk and actually accomplish this goal is amazing in itself. But but again, just something bold, something outside the box mm-hmm. that, that it's, look, it's bigger than just you, right? Right, right. right. You're going you're gonna to be crossing paths with millions of people right. on yeah. your journey. Yeah, so let's get and into that. that brings it full yeah. circle. Yeah. Let's yep. get into that. What, where did this, we teased it earlier, you're walking yep. across the country. Where did this idea come from? How are you, what are the logistics of it? Talk to us a little about that. So it started with a small little walk from Westchester to Cincinnati, uh, my hometown. Mm-hmm. And that was about 22 miles. And I did that, raised a few grand, and got some local news coverage. And from that, I was able to get some followers somehow that ended up reaching out to me. Now, I didn't have any large platform. I had like 1,200 followers, and we still don't have a large platform. But within those 1,200, there was high school students that I had no idea were following me that have fought brain tumors, that have fought sarcomas themselves. And they were messaging me saying, hey, man, just seeing you go to work, basically, mm-hmm. physically go to work, yeah. or selling a house or doing this or doing that, it's showing me that I can li- like I can have that's a right. life. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, if that's the local community here, what would happen if I did a larger event? Now, my dad, I mentioned him a lot. I, he's mm-hmm. one of my confidants. 
he was in favor of me scaling this. So like an Ohio walk and then maybe walk back to Cincinnati and then go from there to that. And I am very much a dreamer, go big right. or go home. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if we just walk the nation? Like, what if we just, because again, the, the nonprofit glass ceiling, you can't ever get through mm-hmm. because no one's going to give you a shot. So be shockingly irresistible yeah. so that yeah. people have to talk about it have to talk about you and i was like well what better way than to sit there and i don't know if i can even make it from new york city to philadelphia but let's just try something and here we are in dallas literally going (laughs) this is a big detour but uh we're gonna head head down to austin next okay Mm. and then shoot from austin back up and out okay so austin's our pivot point and then, uh, yeah, I mean, logistics with this, there's no easy way of doing any of it. I was going to say, I'm trying to think good because I'm like, I wouldn't even drive from Austin <laughs> to El Paso. Like, how are you going to walk this? Like, Yeah, there, uh, there's no easy I, way. I want to I want to think through the logistics of this. Okay, this so you're you're going to be in this state for a long ass time. I want to take another quick break. And speaking of breaks, I want to thank our sponsor, Sleep Number, who gives you the best break of every single day of your life, which is sleep. Mm. And what they're doing with their technology and their mattresses is second to none. They have taken the mattress game and put it on steroids. Yeah. They check your heart rate, your, your circadian rhythm. They're doing all these different things to test you while you're sleeping to make sure that it's custom and that every single night is the most restorative restful sleep that you're ever going to get. It's no accident that Sleep Number is the official sleep partner of the NFL. And because NFL athletes are at the top when it comes to recovery, when it comes to taking care of your body, and nothing is more important than sleep. We've talked about it on the show multiple times, making sure you take care of your sleep. And there's a reason that Dak Prescott sleeps on one every single Mm -hmm. night. And there's a reason that his career has blossomed the way that it has. So make sure either you go online, sleepnumber.com, you go into a local store, they're going to walk you through it. You're going to experience the entire process of understanding what your sleep score is or what your sleep number is. And then ultimately showing you how to achieve the highest sleep score uh, because that's what's important is how you actually sleep and how you recover so that you can tackle the day with you. Everything that you have. Yeah, it's the VIP experience that we're all looking for. That's so right. That's sleepnumber.com. Like Tyler said, go get yourself to a local store and get yourself that VIP experience. Now back to the episode. So, yeah, where do you stay? How long do you walk at a time? Oh, Is that all mapped out and planned? Yeah, not really. <laughs> so, in the beginning of this, we were sleeping in police parking lots. Mm-hmm. We were sleeping on the side of the road. Like, it was very much so oh. begging yeah. for a, a room. And if they gave us a room, great. Yeah. Uh, we've partnered with Drury Inn. They've been able to give us yeah. a reduced rate and have helped us oh, uh, cool. by backing kind of our cause. They also go, gave us a ton of stays as well. Uh, so through the partnership of that, uh, Wyndham also gave us a few weeks as oh, well. Yeah. Oh. So as it's grown a little bit, there's been a little bit more eyes that are like, oh, hey, no, you're actually doing this. Here you go. Mm. Yeah. And, which has been really special to see. Uh, but yeah, in the beginning, it was very much beg, 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 beg. Mm. And pray something opens up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't actually leave with enough finances to do this whole thing, and I think that that is a crazy thing that uh, yeah. that I don't know if I've ever admitted. But we did not leave New York City feeling like we had enough in my account, mm-hmm. much less enough backing to get from New York to Los Angeles. 
but I believe that it would be one of these things that slowly builds mm-hmm. uh, because the world, the nation needs it right now. Right. We're too divisive. You know, mm-hmm. we have to come back together. Mm-hmm. And um, this is something that people can come together yeah. on. And so we're sitting there. Um, I have a couple teammates that are helping me. Uh, couldn't do it without them. One's looking on the maps like, okay, yeah, you can't do this. We got to jump routes tomorrow. Mm. This is not going to be good, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I walked uh, actually to get here, the parkway right here, yeah, and was probably hit, uh, um, almost hit about eight times <laughs> just in that stretch. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there's no sidewalk right, over to, here. Yeah. To, yeah, nobody yeah. wants to get over. Yeah. In fact, a guy rode, rode my, my butt as I was walking, and then as soon as I got over, he waved, thank you. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. But you deal with that stuff all the time. And so we try to find the routes that allow, even if they may hurt a little bit more because it's more hilly or this or that, or it's Mm. a county road in Oklahoma that has no blacktop, you know. (laughs) (laughs) If that's the case, we try to pick those so that we can stay off of of the the main roads. Um, But we've there's no easy button to hit when you want to walk the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't say, I want to go New York to Los Angeles, Google, Apple, whoever. That's right. walking route. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. They tell you it's not possible. Yeah, and right. I'm like, well, that's not accurate either. Yeah. So, right. so we've we forced it. Right, right. <laughs> so we take it city to city. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. we, we know that there's a route Yeah. because you can walk right. majority of these roads. They're not meant to be walked, but you can. Mm-hmm. So we know there's a route from New York to Philly, and then we just take that as that's that leg. Yeah. And then let's go Philly to Gettysburg. That's mm-hmm. that leg. Gettysburg to Pittsburgh. That's that leg. Right. Right. And as you build it out like that, you're able to, um, to kind of, I guess, take this huge task yeah. and in a way of accomplishing a goal, chunk it. Mm-hmm. It kind of forced us to do that anyway. Right. Uh, so we've had our, our milestones. Uh, every city is not a milestone. Uh, I wish it was. Philly. Yeah. I know yeah. damn well walking to Philly wasn't a milestone. Yeah. Was, I'm still pissed off those Philly. folks. Yeah, hey, you should have skipped all together. Just uh, kept on Eagle going. fans all together. Just skip <laughs> Philly. What does Jesus say in the Bible? You dust your feet off to Philly and you keep on going. <laughs> Which verse is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're a fact yeah. checker, right? You want to look that one up? Yeah, fact checker. The Bible of the Cowboy Saints. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, there's been some crazy realizations with it, too. Yeah. I mean, logistics in the summer were, I need hydration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But where am I going to go so, to the bathroom? Sorry, when did I, you start in New York? What? Started June 17th. And you're mm. here in Dallas, now, and you've been walking yeah. ever since. S- walking ever since. Almost six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, we took, yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy. And, um, you know, hydration is a big yeah, thing. Right. Uh, now that it's cooler, hydration is a question mark. Mm-hmm. When do am I actually... Sup- like, when does my body actually need this liquid, you right. know, because I'm not sweating it out like I was, right. yeah. which is posed to be a very new type of figure this out type of thing. Yeah. Uh, we can't get enough caffeine, I'm telling you right now. Oh, wow. To, like, literally, you can't, like, I feel, I feel like I did a five-hour five energy before this just right. because after, you, even though this was a light stroll for me yeah. um which has become a light stroll and that's weird yeah. to say nine yeah. miles is a light i know stroll. i was gonna say just <laughs> yeah. a jaunt just yeah, a jaunt. yeah just a nice little you know just running down the street real sunday quick. <laughs> stroll you know uh but i you have 
like the caffeine, like we can't get enough coffee. Like you need you know. some. If you need some consulting on caffeine consumption, yeah, I got king you. over it, here. Well, then, gotcha. yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to have a sidebar here's what, here's on what, that. Here's what we probably should probably get you connected with some supplement companies yeah. and get yeah. you get you some good ones. The challenge is right. How much can you carry? How much can you? Well, we have a tr- tail car. Oh, you do have a tail. Yeah. Car. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Okay. So it keeps it keeps logistics. I was you know? gonna, and that was yeah. gonna be my next I, question is like, okay, yeah. are you backpacking? Are you? Mm. We you want know? all that off me because Good. I'm not supposed to be able to do this anyway. Yeah. So if we yeah, throw ask a backpack, what your doctor saying about yeah. all this? I don't talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Ask for forgiveness, Ben. Right now, right now, right now. Ask for forgiveness, Doctor Jefferson. Yeah, my, if you're listening, <laughs> right? My oncologist was like. Can't wait to read your book, but yeah. we're not going to talk right now. I said, yeah, right. All right. Good. So we're, not, we're not going to talk right now. But physically right now, yep. I mean, you've, you've been walking for six months then, basically? Almost. Almost yep. six months. How do you feel physically? Uh, headspace. I'm in a very, very great headspace. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, you know, you talk vitamin D and meeting people and, and whatever. You can't, you know, more people need to go for a walk mm-hmm. to, to yeah. be fair. You yeah. know, get out of your car, slow down a little bit and embrace what actually is out there. Physically, my feet kill. Mm. Um, I actually had the other day I was walking on uh, like out of the shower or something. And I stepped on the tile and I felt something in my left foot, which is my good foot move on the ball of my foot i was like well that's probably not good oh, no. so immediately i just laid down i was like oh yep today's don't today's done yep ice ice i think i told connor my my partner i was like nope we're done man we're done we're not moving we're right. not moving uh so that's what i was asked how do you know when to take days off is it just by feel yeah so it, yeah. and that's the thing like i worked out so hard for this mm. it, most people would think that you go and walk around a loop and, right. and you just and i did that but i trained pace I wanted to hit 12 miles every day that I walked within three hours. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. was my goal because I knew that if I could step up and walk 12 miles a day, then any mileage after that is cake. I could also have time for engagements. I could have time to talk. And I knew that I was always going to make progress that way. And I didn't have eight hours a day to walk around a track. So I trained only that pace. And I only did that a few days a week. Every other day was heavy, heavy heavy training Mm -hmm. and i would i was combining strength circuits with cardio it was a very weird regiment that i actually sat down with rich franklin ufc Mm -hmm. hall of famer my dad my dad was a trainer like we all sat in a room and we're like okay so this is what we're gonna do uh rich was very big on getting me to do calf raises and and bulgarian split squats and things like that that i never did before this because Mm -hmm. i would really didn't push my ankle um and fun fact COVID brought gym closures, which I re-injured my ankle before Mm. even starting all of this. So what I was able to accomplish building that strength up in about nine years, Rich um, in lieu with my dad and stuff was able to accomplish building the strength in about a a year uh, Mm. through actually not being scared of, you know, (laughs) one leg exercise, like, hey, just balance. Okay, well, that was, you know, Mm. something. So all of those heavy training and everything, I was training like a fighter. I was training like somebody that was going to mentally endure mm-hmm. four quarters or this or that. Right. You know? So I, was it the proper training? Yeah, I don't there, know. There's but, nothing in the NASM certification book that talks about walking for a year straight. So yeah, this, is, yeah, no. this is uncharted territory yeah. as far as the training program goes. Pretty much, pretty much. So, uh, so I want to hear about what it's like, you know, going across the country, these long stretches where you're just alone, right? I know you've got a partner that you're walking, but yeah. you talked about it. Like, it'd be good for people to go take a walk. Like, I would, gosh, I mean, 
with, with the pace that we are as a culture, right? It's this to that, to this, to that, mm-hmm. to this, to that. To be able to just say, today, my only goal is to get from point A to point B. And then I get to actually be inside my head. Mm-hmm. I get to process things. I get to think through things. I get to appreciate God's beauty that he's created. Because yep. between here in New York, once you pass Philly, like, there's some beautiful <laughs> country, <laughs> right? Like, there's things that, like, you see, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, whether it's the Blue Ridge Mountains, whether it's Appalachians, whether it's the Ozarks. I mean, there's all these beautiful things. I mean, and you haven't even gotten to the Rockies, the Tetons. I mean, the Sierra Nevada. I mean, Arizona. I don't know where your route's going. but Fresno, I mean. That's what I'm uh, saying. Can you imagine walking from 99 to Clovis Avenue? I mean, no. come on. No, but, Cody, don't even worry. Hey, are you, are you <laughs> going through Abilene by any chance? <laughs> Avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. It's like Philadelphia, but better. (laughs) Slightly better. But so walk us through that. You talk about good headspace. I mean, has that been good for you? Has it been therapeutic? Has it been rehabilitating? Yeah, kind of. I mean, look, there's nothing like pursuing your dream, Mm -hmm. right? And every day you don't know what tomorrow holds. Yeah. And I don't mean that this time from the live today, like it's full. Right. I mean, it literally like tomorrow, like when y'all hit us up, uh-huh. I didn't know that was coming. Yeah. I had no idea. This is through networking. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is through building relationships. Right. So much so that I, I have no idea who's going to donate tomorrow. Who's going uh-huh. to get behind mm-hmm. this the, the next day. And I want to go down the whole list of things I was told I was never going to do again. Yeah. I want these little walks. Like I, I have an idea for uh, walks to become like small segments. Mm-hmm. So like, Hey, like maybe y'all are the crew that walks with me in Texas yeah. next year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like little okay. things like, Hey, Wait, you're like, doing this again. No, no, I, we could talk <laughs> off camera on that one, but, but there's, there's some ideas that like, yeah. you know, Hey, yeah. I want people to like to actually like spread this idea of yeah. walking because right. it's good for the health. I mean, your headspace is one thing. You asked about body. Right. My hip through the mountains was horrible. Mm. So I'm glad that we curved to miss the uh, Rockies. Like Denver yeah. was my next goal. Mm. But we curved and came down. So I was like, okay, well, my hip's going to love me for that one. Mm. Yeah. But my hip, my chiropractor said my pelvis was rotated down and separated. Oh, when man. I saw him as we passed through Cincinnati. So as long as you avoid anything crazy, like if yeah. you're uh, not a normal walker mm. or a person... Don't obviously take immediately five yeah. weeks yeah. and just say I'm going to go. So, so sorry, I'm just trying, I'm just thinking here. From your social media, are you like foreshadowing your route? Are you kind of saying, "Hey, we're going to be here these days"? We're doing the best that we can okay. at it. Yeah, right. it's it's not so easy with with followers that you don't know where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's only so many people that we. I mean, we met a couple people here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Y'all may take us to like six people that we know in Dallas, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, with, without yeah. that, right, like, yeah. w- okay. So yeah. Hey, I'm coming to Dallas. Yeah. All right. Well, a whole two people are going right. to be like, right. now mind you, I value and cherish. I mean, we sure. all need yeah. to eventually mm-hmm. build and build and build, but I foresee in the future, maybe some of these things being a little different, Yeah. you know, For because, sure. because this is such a long drawn out venture. Right. Uh, I feel in order to have had the welcome party in, in cities as we go, we would have had to have had the news willing to take our story before we touched the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, yeah. hey, he's walking literally down whatever. 
Yeah. Right. X, Y, and Z route, right? Yeah. And then I think that could have drew a little bit more, more of a crowd, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's this idea then it's versus once you get to the city, then the news reports on it. And it's like, oh, he's been, in, he's come and gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. they're through TikTok has been an amazing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Been able to connect with people literally from all corners of the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Facebook, through Facebook groups, we've been yeah. able to connect more so with our with your uh, survivors and yeah, pa- parents and people like that. Oh, yeah. So that's been amazing. Uh, in Instagram, I, I mean, Instagram is the most sought after platform. Mm-hmm. So that one has been very much so more difficult uh, yeah. as far as random right. interaction yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But we have had people on uh, TikTok with that random reach yeah. that have been like, hey, when you get to Phoenix, let me know. Or, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they're yeah. watching. So, let, let, let's walk, you yeah. know, and uh, I think more so the influencers that we've been able to meet, mm-hmm. they've been able to help. So we met a guy and one of his friends now, he has like 100,000 followers, wants to walk when we get more out west as well. Like, yeah. so I think that networking yeah. through yeah. Instagram, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. has been able to be more beneficial in that okay. regard. The news, if we could foreshadow, I think it would be more yeah. community yeah. based. Yeah. I just yeah. think of like resources like, you mentioned chiropractor. Like, yeah. hey, I'm coming through this market. Yeah. Is there a chiropractor that gets some work? You know, adjust yeah. my ankles, right. adjust right. my hips. Yeah. Right. You know, get me back in line. You know, uh, you know, like you said, Drury partners like that that can help you along the way, on top of influencers. Yeah, and and getting the message out there. Yeah. It it's interesting because uh, companies, at least, um, I we were able to do get a chiropractor adjustment probably about well in Cincinnati and then about. A little bit after that in St. Louis, mm. so that's, uh, but that's been it really. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's with limited manpower. Yeah. We're literally yeah. like sending yeah. DMs all day, every day, or yeah. emails or whatever. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. definitely one of those things where, if we could formulate more of a team or more mm-hmm. of an attack strategy mm-hmm. with that, yeah, it would be but beneficial. I, but I love the fact, man, that you just went for it. That's I was just gonna say. Yeah. You, you, it's the cheesy, obvious example of you just started walking. You didn't know. Figure it out. You just you just figured it out. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And how many of us are scared to do that? Right. We, yeah. we don't. We can't see the end result. It's too yeah. fearful. We're, yeah. we're too scared to do it. And we don't take that first step. And you literally took that first step, regardless of what was in front of you, regardless of how you're going to pay for it, regardless of who's going to support you. Yep. You said, I'm just going to walk and let the rest take care of itself. Right. I mean, because you can't control the rest. Right. right. All you can control is, well, in my case putting one foot in front of the other. That's mm-hmm. right. Take one more step. I love it. Because yeah, at the end of the day, it's all you got. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. So where, you know, we're, we're looking for, I know you probably don't look too, that far forward, but what, once you accomplish this goal, what's next? Like, where do you, where do you see yourself? That's a great question. Um, I would say I, I see myself hopefully developing a speaking platform to mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. speak because I would love to, get the message out uh, and be more of an advocate in my life for, Mm -hmm. for others in the regards of, you know, conferences and stuff like that. Physically, uh, you know, we got some stuff that we're going to the drawing board on. Um, uh, The, the next 
thing. I mean, we, like I said, there's that list of stuff I was told I'd never do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly. I have to talk with some people on what net is exactly next. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we've thought about a little, um, a little celebrity hike next year, mm-hmm. maybe get, get some people involved. Cause that was where I twisted my ankle over COVID and, and we really had to work a hard to recover after that so there's a fear of oh gosh we're on full uneven territory you know uneven ground or whatever Mm. so but that would be like a week Mm. and so that's not the whole year obviously so i i want to fill it up i want to make as much of an impact as possible um yeah so i I think i'm just kind of gonna let's see what happens from this Yeah, you're still you're still in the middle of this journey yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Focus I, on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah this, this is a big enough got, task. You got six yeah. months of walking through yeah. Abilene a little bit, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd hate to say, oh yeah, I'm gonna oh, uh, rock climb Mount Everest next, mm-hmm. and and I don't even make it to the Santa Monica. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but you know, I think a hike is probably for sure. If uh, as yeah. long as I don't twist my ankle, sure. But, uh, sure. I think that's probably at least next, but I don't know. There's there's some crazy ideas. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. We we opened it this at the beginning that you know we can't think of people that embody the one shot mentality as much as you do, which is you really only get one shot at this thing, and you're taking full advantage of it, brother. You are doing everything you can to pour into people, to pour into yourself, and man, I love it. Love the story. I don't know if yeah. I do too, man. I just think again, you you took that chance, yeah, and you're on your own. Listen, I think one of the things that we can do is. You know, we have some connections. I know I have some connections that maybe in Austin, here in Dallas, yeah. as you continue to walk, let's bring attention to. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Are. Thank you, and, Thank and you. on our social, then mm-hmm. we'll be yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah, all you. over we'll, social. We'll keep go on. Uh, when you're in Austin, go knock on Joe Rogan's door. See if he'll put you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that won't be cool. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll put you in front of ten million people. Real <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, that'd be amazing though. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. No problem. No, man, we appreciate it. And again, an inspiration and echo what Ben said. You know, this one shot that we've got at life. Right. And, and, and God's given us this this very, very finite time on this planet. And it's not about yourself because very easily. Right. You could have said, you know what? I'm about to go make a ton of money in real estate and all my effort is, is focused on that because you can mm-hmm. and you've and you've proven that. But it's no like there's something bigger than myself. Yep. And, and I went through this trial and these challenges and all these things. And it's not about just me. Right. It's about something bigger than myself and pouring myself into that man. And right. we applaud you for that. Anything we can do to support anything we can do to, to help you. You've got three fans here and, and hopefully a whole lot more that are listening, man. Thank and you. so please Except share you. how our listeners and social, our social media uh, community can support you, yeah. how to find you yeah. uh, give us those resources. Easiest way is go follow the journey. Mm-hmm. Overcomer team on TikTok, Instagram. Overcomer team. Team. Yep. Overcomer team. Yep. Because we're all overcomers, so and overcomer uh, eventually, team. hopefully, okay. the the platform can embody that. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's me, but you know, we want to showcase everybody. So, yeah. okay. uh, and champions do overcome on Facebook. Uh, that's the nonprofit as well. If anyone is able or willing to donate, donate yeah. champions do overcome dot org. There's yeah. a donation link at the bottom, or if you search overcomer team on Instagram, our link tree has that as well. Do you guys have a YouTube channel? I know that's another thing to add to your plate, but it's well, we have some videos posted. Yeah. Um, because that'd be an interesting follow. Yeah. To just you just you know you're holding a camera and you're just sitting yeah. there telling us your thoughts while you're walking. Yeah. That'd be an interesting thing to to yeah. follow. Are you saying that should become a uh, a, a 
podcast within itself. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> I'm just saying. You'll want a lot of time. I got a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the books that you read. I'm yeah. assuming you, do you listen on audio? How do you consume the book? I just, I read at night. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I tried the audio book thing, but they suck. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. The, I thought I was going to be like, oh yeah, we can burn through some audio books. Uh, yeah. And I'm just like listening to these people and I don't know, they're either read too slow or they're not like... <laughs> emphatic with it right. and it's very dry and i'm yeah. like all right well sometimes they pay actors to read so it's not even the author that's yeah, actually right. his own book right so, yeah right do, do you read a, an audio like are you the so voice I, of an audio book because well, i'll listen be. to yours yeah but you. if you, yeah thank you i uh, can be I, i'm i'm yeah i'm for for hire no i i typically consume <laughs> pages i like i like to hold it in my hand you Me know too. i like to read i like to make notes i like to do the now it's obviously much easier to consume in I, the audio format scent does something for me too yeah honestly of like a new oh, book yeah. smell yeah. I, I don't know yeah. it's really weird it's very yeah. unique yeah. but that scent of a new book it's right. uh kind of it's cool but 100 percent, 100 percent disagree with you so you like to listen to the audio <laughs> i literally because i've got like uh i've got 30 books on my nightstand that my wife's like if you order another book, book. and don't read <laughs> it i swear hey hold on don't tell her you gotta order a cod book you gotta get I, cod okay yeah, the cod you gotta get cod. you're not gonna sell me on this cod book bro. <laughs> you're gonna do it. Sorry, hey, you know what i'm doing now i'm leaving it <laughs> it's <laughs> with me i'm leaving it i'm gonna leave it you, yes, you're going to read cod. And man, then you're going to be able to be like, uh, okay, okay, this yeah. is legit. That's awesome, man. Well, man, uh, thank you so much again. Best of you. luck to you. Keep thank us you. updated. Obviously, we'll stay stay yeah. in touch as well. Thank and you. then we'll also have you back on when you're done. Sweet. Yes. That'd be awesome. Heck yeah, I'd love That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, and but again, anything we can do to help. Yeah, thanks, Cody. Sweet. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity. Oh, Absolutely, bro. Awesome, man. Thank you. That's great.